Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, America. This is Billy Jones, the author of Everyday Folks Books and the creator of Everyday Folks Network. Thank you for tuning in this Sunday, August 14, 2016, for another segment of BJ Speaks, an interview with. On this show, for the past eight months, I'd like to thank you for all that you've done for me and for all of your continued support of being over 1,400 listeners who have been tuning in repeatedly for this particular segment. Not to include the numbers that are supporting the other shows that are on our network, such as Journey into Passion with Anike S and Keeping Up with K-Pop with our K-Pop team. Thank you so much. If at any time you'd like to speak to me or any of my guests during this segment, feel free to call in at 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347-539-5372. And if you're shy and you prefer to inbox me, you're welcome to do so. My inbox is standing by open at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. A few announcements here at Everyday Folks. In addition to our continued growth here, congratulations to my colleague, Anike, with her exciting show that continues to grow and get rave reviews and support. This past Saturday, if you missed it, you can join, you can, you can listen to that show, which is archived and our Everyday Folks repository. You can also link to the show through my author page at billpauljones.com. And also, we have a busy, some weekends are so busy here at Everyday Folks. So this past Friday as well was another episode of, of, of Keeping Up With K-Pop. If you don't know what K-Pop is, it is, an, an, it is an awareness, or if not a focus, on the genre music of Korean pop. And there is a lot of movement taking place. And every time I listen to this show, I learn something new. So do tune in to our next segment, which is coming up the Friday after. All schedule and activity, all schedules of all of our shows are available on our website and also on our social media feeds. Lastly, I'd be remiss if I didn't recognize next week's interview with Cesar Becerra, my dear friend who is a naturist uh, and also historian. I can't wait to have a conversation with him about the exciting things that he's been doing in his life over the past 20 years that we've known one another. And this coming October, since it is Halloween, one of my favorite seasons, we have two segments that will be dedicated to Paranormal Hour, talking about the spirit world and all other fascinating things. And it will be a great conversation with me, as well as with my dear colleague, Jay Soul, another disc jockey who lives in, in Tampa, Florida. You may recall listening to Jay Soul. He was my first show when we first debuted Everyday Folks back in January. So we'll get a chance to catch up to, with him to see what he's about, and as well as talk about this paranormal activity. So today's guest, I have to share this. Before this show started, I, I, I had, I, I just, I'm speechless. I'm speechless because I learned so much, or at least confirmed so much that I already knew about my own family tree. The Jones name is a beautiful name, but as everyone knows, we all had to walk or others walked in a lineage before us. And today's segment is very special. I like to read the bio that I posted that was out in the social media feeds over the past few days of our next and exciting guest. Ronald is an educator, educator and, geneal and genealogy enthusiast. His name is Ronald Mapp. 
For the past few years, he has dedicated part of his time to exploring the history of its family's lineage. Often enough, we find ourselves wondering about the origin of such things, like our hidden talents or our physical features. Thanks to modern technology, finding loved ones or reconnecting with one's past is achievable more quickly and affordably than ever before. And this segment is all about genealogy. So before we begin, let me also acknowledge my dear friend, my dear, dear friend, Ron. He is he's a genealogy enthusiast, so we do not claim to be experts on this. But as you immerse yourself in this field enough, you learn a lot. And he was able to provide some fascinating data about my own family, including artifacts that are readily available. You got to dig for this stuff, but it's readily, readily available. I'm so excited to have him here. Ronald, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, Ron, you know, this, this genealogy thing, you've been talking about this for the past few years, and you've actually been doing some exciting work. So first, in your own words, what is genealogy? Um, well, genealogy is a, the study of one's own family history. I mean, I'm, I couldn't give you a technical definition, but it's, it's basically, you know, exploring your roots, as it, as, you, as it were. And you've been exploring your roots. I know you're so committed to the Matt family. You annually, if you can, you go on your family reunions. There is a, there is a, there's value in, in being in an extensive community and, and part of a community, building a sense of community with family. And so you have, I, I acknowledge that because as I was growing up, that started, I saw that in my own family, but then people began to be spread out of, of, around the globe and, and people lose touch. And so I, I like that that the Matt family, it continues to keep that tradition alive as hard as, as it may be. And so when did you first start this exciting work, this exciting research in genealogy? I have to say after uh, we were in, I believe it was Mr. Kazempo's class. Okay. You know, we all watch Roots. And we all get excited about roots. <laughs> we do. And, you know, I, I decided, you know, if Alex Haley was going to do one particular branch of his tree, you know, I, being a young fellow, you know, I was going to, I was going to fill the tree out, as it were. Oh. Uh, my goal was to find as many of my ancestors as I possibly could. So the first thing I did was I, you know, I asked my mother or, you know, and my grandparents who their parents were and their grandparents were. And I was very fortunate that we were, you know, to have met both of my uh, mother's, great, you know, my mother's grandparents, mm -hmm. um, grandmothers. So they were able to help me to basically fill out the tree. I've, the amount of information I've discovered is just unbelievable. To be really? Yeah. Really? So it all started with the oral tradition, information that you could gather orally from family. Right. And in African tribes, for those who don't know this, and I'm sharing this with Ron, African tribes had griots, and griots were individuals who were even closer to the kings of African tribes, even more closer, even closer than the, the, the king's wives themselves. And this individual served as a historian and preserver of family history and lineage. And their job was to prepare and share that information readily to keep that lineage flowing. Right. So we don't have griots anymore. <laughs> and we do. They're called technology and computers right. in, in America, the Census Bureau. But we don't have that. But yet you were able to gather information from that. So you use that information. And then where did you go with that information? Well, the first thing I started to do was before Ancestry.com, when I was younger, I would go down to the Philadelphia archives, hmm. and I looked at the census lists. And it's uh, it could be very frustrating because you're literally just turning this wheel right. and looking through, you know, and your arms get tired, and mm -hmm. you know, you're mm -hmm. looking for all these names. And there's often the more frustrating thing about the census is 
often the information could be incorrect, often the information could be close or point you in the wrong direction, you, you know, but uh, you'd be surprised at all the juicy nuggets that you can find just on the census lists. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'll take you to um, one particular go for it fun discovery. But, you know, my uh, my three times great grandfather, Gabriel Hillier, you know, I was a skeptic, you know, when you're younger, you, mm-hmm. you, you're skeptical about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And, it said on his on the census record that his father was from Africa, and I just kind of like, okay, everybody thought that back then, you know, you know, not you know, not taking it seriously. So one day I was, you know, we had we used to have in, in class called silent reading. Mm-hmm. I remember and those. <laughs> so I one day I bought this book called you know, Remembering Slavery. Mm-hmm. It was a compilation of, um, of a. Uh, interviews with slaves from the 30s and 40s, the slave narratives. And those are also a great resource. Yes, they are. That I can imagine. And I'm reading this I'm reading this, this uh, portion of a man's narrative, because they didn't give the complete narrative, but they gave portions of the narratives in order to talk about specific parts, you know, lives of slave, uh, life and the life of slavery. And I realized that he was using names that I recognized from my research. And I said, I looked and noticed that this gentleman, his name was Morris Hillier, mm-hmm. and that he was living in Alabama. So I said, okay, he's not related. But we forget that people move about. Yes, they do. And he mentioned that he was born in Rome, Georgia. I was like, okay, where's Rome, Georgia? You go mm-hmm. to the atlas, and my, my Uncle John left behind an atlas when he passed away. So that atlas was my best friend. And I looked on that atlas and saw that it was close by Walton County, where I, you know, where that family was from. And I got in touch with um, some folks from, that were descended from Junius Hillier, who was the owner that he had mentioned. And Junius Hillier, it, it turns out, had a memoir that he wrote. And in that memoir, he discusses his slaves and the lives of the slaves on his plantation. And now he mentioned a slave called Gabriel and Polly frequently, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how the other slaves were related to Gabriel and Polly. Well, Gabriel, it turns out, was Morris Hillier, the gentleman in the in the narrative. Got it. it was his got father. it. Got it. And it was also my three times great grandfather. So he was speaking of Gabriel's father, who was an African named Sam, who was purchased in 1807 by Junius's father. And of course, during wow. uh, we're in the middle of silent reading, and I, you know, just was like. Ah! You know, the, you know, you, you, you know, because I, I, at this time, I'm, you know, I'm bouncing emails back right. and forth between Junius Hilliard's ancestors, you know, over the course of several days, you know, and uh, it was it's very exciting because not many people get to touch that African part of their ancestors. That is true. You know, and then if anything, it just begs for more questions, you know, what tribe was he oh. from and, you know, what part of Africa, you know. If that makes any sense, I know. Yes, there, it does. You know, there were five of them, mm-hmm. and so you could, you know, you start find, finding yourself looking for their descendants to see if they have information. You know, it's so it's uh, it's really exciting. Huh. I'm I'm speechless because you just shared if several fortunate your your great uncle you said or mm-hmm. the great grandfather he he shared. He had this artifact that helped preserve history. And I found, I did my research before you arrived here 
on rules for our ancestors. So this is a little genealogy humor, <laughs> uh, but it's this rules for our ancestors or how to confuse your descendants. Let's read some of these thou shall not phrases. They're almost written like the Ten Commandments. In this case, they're 13. So it says, thou shalt name your, name your male children, James, John, Joseph, Josiah, Thomas, and William. You want to mess up people's searches? Use a common name, which was very typical at the turn of the century and previous 20th, 20th century. Thou shalt name female children, Elizabeth, Mary, Martha, Maria, Sarah, Ida, and May. <laughs> Here's another, uh, another way to confuse your descendants. Thou shalt leave no trace of your female children. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And thou shalt not use any middle names on any legal documents, because that could also throw people off. Yes, it does. Using an initial, it's not, and it says here, using an initial, it's, it's not good. And also, thou shalt, after no more than, ten, than three generations, make sure that all family records are lost, <laughs> misplaced, <laughs> burned in a courthouse fire, or burned so that no future trace of them can be found. And I'm going to go a little further. Thou shalt, know, thou, thou shalt leave no cemetery records or headstones with legible names. That's interesting. Thou shalt leave no family Bible with records of birth, marriages, or deaths. <laughs> thou shalt always flip thy name around. If born James Franklin, thou shalt make all the rest of the records in the, in the names of James, Jim, Franklin, Frank, etc. <laughs> and then lastly, which I thought was very funny, and this is just humor, okay? Thou shalt name at least five generations of males and dozens of their cousins with the identical name. <laughs> so yeah. I'm asking these, I'm giving you these things that can be confusing. Have you encountered this stuff? Almost all of them. <laughs> Almost all of them. And then can I add an extra Go one? for it. <laughs> Thou shalt not give one child the name that a previous child already had. Oh. Ooh. Well, it was, it was common that if a child died young, that another sibling that was born afterwards would be named after that sibling I didn't in know honor that. of that. Really? As a matter of fact. Um, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I have an Uncle Willie who has an older brother whose name was William. Hmm. I'm speechless. For those of who are listening and you're tuning in now, you're listening to BJ, Billy Jones, author of Everyday Folks and the creator of Everyday Folks Radio. And I am here with dear friend Ronald Mapp, a genealogy enthusiast. If you'd like to speak to him or me during this segment, we still have 45 minutes, by the way. The number is 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. And if you're shy, you'd like to, to send in, your e in or email your comments, questions, or requests, Email me at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That is everydayfolks with an S, listen at gmail.com. So, Ron, I have a few questions for you, and then we're going to jump into some really interesting artifacts you brought on, on, on your CD here. So, Anna from Miami asked the following question. I use Ancestry.com to learn about my family. I ended up learning so much, including a family secret. My mother was adopted. Now, some of my family members won't talk to me. What should I do? Have you experienced this too? Um, sometimes you have to let sleeping dogs lie. Mm, well said. Uh, it's not that, uh, because some, for some people, the past is too, too hurtful. Yeah. And I've learned in my own quest, sometimes I had to learn that lesson more than once not to ask certain questions or to 
keep certain answers that you have found mm-hmm. to yourself. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? Because not everybody wants to know the answers. Very true. Not everybody wants to know the answers. So if at all possible, make amends if you can. And if you know that there is certain information that certain family members don't want out there, you keep that information under wraps. And if future generations may want to use it, that's fine. There's nobody from the past around to get upset about it because it makes any sense. Very true. It does. And Ron, right on, my brother. I want to add to what he said is true. Let sleeping dogs lie. If your intention of finding doing this research is to uncover great truths, even if they're negative ones, okay? be very sensitive, if not cognizant, to the impact they may have on others who may not be or choose not to listen or receive. That is a very good thought. There's another question coming in, Ron, and then we're going to jump into this exciting data that you have. Tom from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, asks the following. Great show, BJ and Ron. Ronald, how costly has your genealogy project been for you? (laughs) What were some of the more specific costs? I, well... Ancestry.com can cost a little bit of money. Uh-huh. I often forget that the bill is due. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before Ancestry, <laughs> I spent a great deal of money during college when I didn't have any uh, ordering um, the records and things. Ordering artifacts. records come in. You know, you had to you had to order death records and you know, and sometimes birth records when they were available. Because certain states will only allow certain records to be available a certain amount of time after the uh, the decedent was deceased. Um, so I spent a lot of money on that. I mean, if I have known the computers were able to do what they do now, and I could just simply just pluck that stuff off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if I hadn't done that earlier, I wouldn't have gotten as far. True. Very true. You know, as a writer, I'm think I'm at some point when the writing life settles, the dust settles with the existing projects I'm working on. I'd like to write a book or at least a poetry work reflect upon the Jones family experience and who we are and where we, how we've evolved. Mm-hmm. And as any, as you know, this well as a musician, you have to do your work. You have to study those who walked the path before you. You have to immerse yourself in the artifacts and the evidence, the culture of evidence that's available. You create that culture of evidence. Right. So I feel that what you're about to share with me now could be the catalyst, if not the starting base for that. So folks, I have to share this with you. Ron showed me this interesting information that he collected. Now, he told me he was going to do this, but seeing is believing because it's here in front of me. And I'm looking right here on his computer screen with some of the ancestry things here. So, Ron, if you could, people can't see what, what we have in front of us. Could you walk, just walk me through again okay. um, what you provided here about the Jones name? Okay. What I did was first I asked um, your mother, Betty, uh-huh. for her grandparents. So she gave me the names of, of course, um, your grandfather, Eddie Lee Jones, parents, Lewis and Ruby Jones. Yes. Whose middle maiden name was Boston. And um, Betty Jones, your grandmother, mm-hmm. her parents, Edgar Barnes and Lula Barnes, Tiller. Yep. Um, and Lula Barnes, of course, you've mentioned to me many occasions because we used to have mm-hmm. our house in, in, in Miami. Um, you know, so I said, well, you know what? I mean, Pop up and mom, you know, and me, and Mama's still here. So let's just ask them what their grandparents' names are. So she asked them um, for their parents' names. So I got Louis James, uh, Joseph's father. Oh. Um, we don't have his mother's name yet, but something that could be, you know, looked up in the future. Um, you have Ruby Jones's parents, Marshall and Fanny. Um, you have Edgar Barnes's mother, Maddie. 
and Lula Barnes's um, parents, Thomas and Stella Brinson. Now, a little nugget that you, you know, if you, any of you out there use Ancestry.com, you'll notice there'll be these leaves. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, and if you're if you're avid Ancestry user, you'll notice that some of those leaves aren't going to lead you where you need to go. Sometimes you just have to hit ignore, 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 ignore. And you um, said like a leaf, like like a leaf is um like a leaf, like it's a, it's, it's a tree. Right, it's a hint. Oh, okay, hint. got it. It's, it's, you know, because sometimes what it does is the computer program goes through it, it goes through what you have plugged in dates, names, last names, etc., and it tries to match up the names with ancestors. Oh, information okay. on the ancestors. Got it. World War II draft records, census uh, wow. records. Wow. Um, and what I find often very interesting is. It also finds you information on other people's family trees. So what I noticed is that um, a descendant of Thomas Brinson was also doing a family tree. As a matter of fact, I've discovered more than one descendant of Thomas Brinson joined the family tree. One of the things that they had in common was that Thomas Brinson's parents were Barry and Sally. Now, you can't always go by what people say, right? Right. um, because you don't know where they got their information. But I've learned two things. A, you got to do the research on your own. Yeah. And B, trust the oldest people in the room, if that makes any sense. Got it. The oldest people will have the most um, recollection sort of, of right, history. Right. Not just that, they'll have the most adequate, uh, up to date information. Because, you got know, sometimes it. the information got is it. lost or distorted on the way down. Um, so, what I did was I looked back on the census and noticed there was a Thomas Bronson, Brenton living with Barry and Sally Brenton. Um, and then I checked now because Thomas is a very common first name. It is. He was the it only is. Thomas living in that area oh, with wow. that, birth, that approximate age. And what time of what 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 year was this? Okay, well Thomas was born about 1872. So what I did was I went wow. and of course ages weren't people didn't always know their exact ages then. Yeah. But when I did look on the 1880 census, if I could bring it up here. When I did look on the 1880 census with Barry and Sarah, mm-hmm. you'll notice that because there are wow. some, there are some people that did know their names exactly. Yes. You'll notice they have Tommy, who's eight years old. Yes. And so I extrapolated from that. I was like, wait, wait, wait. So the, the, the I'm speechless. Right. So you have, you know, Barry living with Sally. He has a, a, a brother named January, sister named Carrie, and a younger brother named Barry. Hmm. I have to share, folks. I'm looking at records. What Ron is showing me on the computer screen, these are actual handwritten records of the census data that were collected at prior to the turn of the 20th century. And I'm speechless because this is a this is a record that's about 102 years older than we are, Ron. Because you said 1872, we were down in 1974, and so I'm sitting here looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, somebody had a job to sit here and record these things manually because at that time printing press and all other pre-industrial era, the pre-industrial era of America, these things weren't available. So people had to do, and the government was not as sophisticated, could afford the full technological structures, if not for wartime, of course, but definitely this is a great document. This artifact is just, um, it's just stunning. And if you scroll down, is that the same record where I saw Great Grandmama's name in there? No, that was a that was the same type of record, but it was a different census. Different census, got each, it. Just, each census gives different information. Um, you'll notice in the eighteen hundred eighteen eighty census, it gives the name and the relationship to the head of the household, whereas previous censuses, eighteen seventy, eighteen sixty, and mm-hmm, eighteen fifty, mm-hmm. 
they list the members of the household, but they didn't always tell how they were related. So here is the first census where they actually tell you how they related to the head of household. Oh, wow. Um, they often mention were they married, were they single. And in subsequent censuses, they not only give information such as their professional occupation, and um, they also give information where they were born and also where their parents were born. Got it. So, um, so that's that's I've, I've often used that to make you know to connect the dots between different individuals because in some censuses you will see an older couple that lives next door with the same name, oh, and you'll notice that an older couple. Let's say, for example, the older couple, the the woman was born in Virginia, but in the when the family that you know is yours, you'll see that his mother was born in Virginia and mm-hmm. her father was born in that same <laughs> state. You can almost reasonably say, okay, those were his parents. I'm, I'm speechless. Uh, I have to share a, a, a census fact. You know, I love fun facts and I'm into all kinds of facts. And, and Ron's conversation with me right now, you triggered this. The funny thing, Ron, about census data is the fact that by the time they're published, they're already old, number one. Right. Secondly, What's interesting about the census data is that some the government spends about $250 million on this thing. Mm. And there are, when I looked at the number, I can't recall exactly the exact number, but when it's broken down for one census person, there's one census person working with every 353 people in a particular geographic region. So this process, it is a very costly process, but a very essential one right. in terms of not, not just for, for, keeping track and record of who's alive in your nation, but for moments like this too, when you're trying to understand and uncover your ancestry. I'm speechless because I know my grandmother is listening right now and my my aunt and my my mom as well. And this, our family line, I remember being the eldest of 20 grandkids. There are 20 of us. And I remember I got to know my great-grandmother, my grandmother's mother. And I got to know my my great-grandfather as well. I was very fortunate to have that kind of exposure. But then now I realize at age 42, I now have become a preserver. I'm a protector of that information. And if I'm not careful, if I don't share that information, it can get lost. Oh yeah. My cousins who are younger than we are, they are not as connected to these things. And nor do I expect them to be entirely mm-hmm. because you don't realize how the value of family reunions until you get older and you start realizing that the family unit is a very powerful one. And so it's when you age and you mature, when you start to register these things. And so my question to you in all of this, what have you gained from your own work, whether it be from helping me with my own work, but just even for yourself, what what has been one of the biggest benefits for you of this experience? Um, You know that old saying that you don't know where you're going until you know where you've been? Yeah. Yeah. I find that not only that, you know, when you hear stories of your ancestors, you say, oh, my goodness, that sounds like such and such. Oh, my goodness, that sounds like such and such. And you can see, I find that I'm inspired, especially as an African-American, I'm inspired towards success. Mm, that, makes sense. that sure does. I'm it going does. to give an example of an ancestor. His name was James Sanders, and he, mm-hmm. was, um, he, he died in uh, uh, 1925. Wow. And uh, you can imagine growing up as a farmer in the South, you know, life was not easy. But he was able to, when he passed away, he had nine plots of land. And I I even took a picture of the first deed. Wow. Of, um, you know, that was exciting, you know. Hmm. But, you know, to be an African-American and own all that land. And, you know, that was 
when we were younger, my great grandmother talk about the land that we had mm-hmm. in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. It didn't really, you didn't really connect to that. Mm-hmm. You didn't connect to that land until you actually a you step foot on it, and b you see these signatures and you see that this is real. This, yeah. I mean, this is you know, and that you see two names of two of your cousins that you grew up with. You know, their names is care in the care of such and such and such and such, and you're just like. Wow. Wow, this is yeah. you are directly connected to mm-hmm. success. You know, when you, you when you you know when you're growing up and you we think African American history, we don't often talk about the successes. We talk about slavery and we talk about the successes of people that you know, Langston Hughes and Louis Armstrong mm-hmm. and we 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 talk about successes of people that are far removed from us, but then when you see the success of people that you are descended from and you say, "Wow, it's a whole different conversation." Right. You, you know, you in, you know, and the more you dig into your family history, you're going to see that success. Mm. You know, and sometimes the, the smallest successes really, you know, they impact you in the largest way. Mm. You know, Brian, you you just you just so, so inspiring. What here's an interesting fact: the Library of Congress. And as you know, mm-hmm. once you find something, let's say you find something you discover you're related to Langston Hughes. Right. Several Langston Hughes' background, his, his birth certificate, his, his actual journal copies of some of his journals are available in the Library of Congress. And there are documents there that are available readily for free. And so my advice to those who are listening, should you find yourself in, in the, on the road towards becoming a genealogy enthusiast, mm-hmm. and if you get these little nuggets, like Ron called them, I love that. You get these nuggets of things that are very golden, especially for folks who may be famous or connected to famous folks. Mm-hmm. The Library of Congress could serve as a resource Absolutely. and at least digging and further digging. I have to share, for those of you who are listening now, we are 30 minutes into the show already. And if you'd like to speak to me or Ron, our call-in number is 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. And I know you're not shy on these emails. Ron, I have 10 emails here that I need to get through. There are 10 emails that have come in. Thank you so much for your support. But if you'd like to send in another email, question, comment, or request, you can do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. So, Ron, here's a question from Drake from Richmond, Virginia. He says, in your opinion, how accurate are the ancestry records? Uh, And where do they come from? Oh, boy. Because I know a lot of it came from the the, the census data mm-hmm. is a start, but there. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Often, and this is this touches on a this it, it it's uh it touches on so many problems I've run to in the past. You will find many mistakes. You will find mistakes on census records. You will find mistakes um, on death records, mm. and because Whoa. often. <laughs> Often the information is given by, for example, in the census, sometimes the information that is written on the census was written by neighbors if the people that were in the household were not home. Or in some mm. cases, if the adults weren't home, there was a child who gave the information. Um, I've seen census records where males were had listed as females. I've seen information where um, middle names were given as first names, wow. et cetera, et cetera. Wow. I've even sat in on a situation where um, when my great-grandmother passed away, her stepfather was almost given as her father's name. 
because mm. the children my, the children did not know. Right. Um, and it was only because I spent so much time speaking to her and talking to older folks. As a matter of fact, my great-grandmother, her brother's death certificate, this stepfather is listed as on his death certificate because when he went into the military, he decided to take on his stepfather's name because he didn't want to disgrace his father if he did anything wrong while he was in the military. Oh, wow. <laughs> so his, his I, biological father is not listed on his actual death certificate. So that's why I say it's very important that you talk to as many of the older people and, and, and a common resource that, that is not often utilized, not just your grandparents, but talk to your grandparents' cousins. Yeah. Talk to their brothers and sisters. And you'd be surprised at how that's many point. of them have aunts and uncles that are still alive. One time, I didn't realize, my grandmother, I was talking to her, my, my paternal grandmother, and I was asking her questions because I was looking at this genealogy that took me way back to slave a woman in, in Georgia. And I was asking her, I was like, okay, I got information on this side. Well, who would have this information? And she just said, hold on for a second. Pulled out a phone. And she put me in touch with my great-grandmother's sister. Her aunts were still alive. I had no idea. Wow. Wow. So if you ask, you, you, you might you never know who's still around that can still give you information. And have access to people. This is what's important. you got to be in the right moment and ask the right questions. Right, of course. Because people are not, they're not dwelling on these things because these people are in their lives so immediate. We take for granted what's in our own backyard. We have another question coming in from my colleague, Anike, who you've met, Ron, the host of Journey into Passion. She says, hello. Hello. This is a fascinating show. It is awesome that you can go back so far, especially in a black family. This is difficult. Do you use any other resources that help outside of the website? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good response. <laughs> people are the best resource. Um, people are the best resource. I just this past summer, or was it summer over? I'm feeling that way. We're all it's pretty much as of week. as of this week, right? <laughs> I decided on um, to go to a family reunion on my gra- my grandmother's grandmother's side of the family. So actually her grandmother's grandmother's mother's side of the family. Um, and I didn't know any of these people, but I've been in touch with several descendants on that side by email. And they said, well, come to the family reunion. And I'm sitting here looking at all new information, did you know, and got in touch with cousins. As a matter of fact, one of the cousins I met at this Family mm-hmm. He put me in touch with um, a website called MyHeritage.com, and MyHeritage.com provided me with the actual program that I use to generate your tree. ancestor tree. Oh, that's what that is. Right, right. So this is a program that I use from them, and I, you know, that and that program allows me to generate that tree and turn it into a, um, a PDF or. Is that free, or is there a proper? My ancestor, uh, MyHeritage.com uh, my is free. That okay. Is free. That is free. Wow. Hope you got that, Anike. More questions for you, Ron. They're coming in. This is from Gabriella right here in Miami, Florida. Have you ever thought about writing a book of some sort based on any aspect of your experiences? It's funny. My father always tells me, don't write no book without my permission. (laughs) 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 Because it makes a good story, but not everybody wants wants you to know about it. Um, (laughs) I have. I have. I've um, I actually, what I did for each ancestor is I wrote 
a biography on them and more or less the biography is not so much about their lives as my journey finding out the details of their lives. Mm. So that way we, it would be more respectful of who they are and what they went through is not just about me writing a story about them, but that journey to discover them. You know, and what you're creating is like an, an electronic museum right. of your own family lineage. And with technology as sophisticated as, as it is today, there are countless ways in which one could produce such a product. And I think that's fascinating that you're able to do that. So I do have a question. So when you go to these reunions, do you, you don't carry a pad or anything. You're just mentally noting these things that people share with you. Or how do you capture, because there are some, at least for me, I use voice tags on my phone whenever I can, and I know it's kind of rude to do so, but how do you capture, because some of the nuggets that you get are so important, so rich. Sometimes I write them down, because you'll, for example, the Matt Family Reunion, sometimes I'll take an actual list of everything that I've learned, names, birthdays, et cetera, et cetera, and you'll have people that'll look through it, and they'll say, such and such is missing, and they'll say, Mm. and they'll write on it or they'll give me information, or they'll give me stories, and sometimes I'll ask, do you mind if I write this down? Or I'll say, I need to write this down, and say, go ahead, and, you know, the moment they see you writing, the moment they just start talking. Oh, wow. Because a lot of, um, what I find is there are many older folks that they are, you know, they want you to to hold on to this. And it's also a moment of teaching. You know, there's a teaching. It goes back to what our African community, an African-American community, our African ancestry, Mm -hmm. the role of the griot, the storytelling, the oral tradition. It is very well alive in our, it's in our DNA, even in the 21st century. And I think it's important that we do that. And it also pays respect. It's an homage, if you will, to those who have walked before you and still live with, with you. There are more questions coming in, Ron, and they love you here. The questions keep coming. This is from Todd from New York City, New York. Have you ever uncovered any interesting facts, such as any unique town laws or any any other info in your genealogy research? Unique town laws in my research? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, and not particularly in my genealogical research. Uh, but sometimes, you know, when you're you know when you're reading other. Um, I, I can't quite find the word, but if you're reading other texts that help you understand your own history, you find information such as, I didn't know, I don't remember the exact book, that there were counties in the South during the time of Reconstruction um, that per, that uh, forbade previous slaves from leaving the county yep. because so many of them were leaving the county to go up north that there were laws that prevented you from leaving. So not So it wasn't just, or you needed permission to leave. Um, which I found jarring. To put it lightly, some of them had to stay. They had no, you know, no choice. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's it's. Um, so I didn't discover any new laws. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of what I learned in school, from you know, in 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 um in my family history research per se. Mm-hmm. But sometimes in my extracurricular research on Black history, I found some. I have to share something. You know, you just triggered something wrong because, you know, I, I've been doing my homework. Before every show, I like to prep, and I'm getting lots of questions, so I'm going to zip through them as much as I can. So folks who are calling in or emailing in, because I have no calls here today, but there are a ton of emails. We're going to do our best to get to them. And so, but he's sharing such great information. I don't want to cut him off. So we're going to see what we can do. Anything that we can't answer, Ron, I'll tell you this. We'll follow up directly with those individuals right, via sure. email. Here's some North Carolina laws that some genealogists have discovered. Ready for this. 
for instance, in North Carolina, it's against the law to sing off key. <laughs> I'm not making this it should up. Should be against the law. <laughs> Elephants may not be used to plow cotton fields. Okay, a marriage can be declared void if either of the two persons is physically impotent. <laughs> These are laws that still exist. Oh, persons in possession of illegal substances must pay taxes on them. Bingo games may not last over five hours unless it is held at a fair. Serving alcohol at a bingo game is not allowed. <laughs> I'm not making this up. Here's something else. All couples staying overnight in a hotel must have a room with double beds that are at least two feet apart. Oh, I'm not making this up. Here's some more. So North Carolina, North Carolina municipality laws. In Barber, for instance, in, in Barber, North Carolina, Fights between cats and dogs are prohibited. <laughs> in Charlotte, women, women must have their bodies covered by at least 16 yards of cloth at all times. In Forest City, you must stop and call City Hall before entering town in an automobile. <laughs> in Asheville, it is illegal to sneeze on the streets. I'm, I'm not making this up. These are real facts, folks. So when you're out there doing this genealogy search, thank you for those of you who sent some of this stuff into me. You find some really funky stuff. There are some real. There is a law, for instance, in Texas that it is illegal to have sex with a fish. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you what still exists because as we evolve and because there's so much rapid production and evolution mm-hmm. of a city or a community. Mm-hmm. And above all, of a nation such as America, certain laws they, get lost that people don't realize still exist. Why they have to put certain things into law? It makes you. It, it just makes you go. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here are more questions for you, Ron. This is from Donald from Hollywood, Florida. Hollywood, Florida. Ronald, great show. Have you ever traveled to meet a distant family member or to review records? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I just um, talked about going to. Um, the family reunion. I did go to Richmond, Virginia. Um, and speaking of the gentleman mm-hmm. from Richmond, and I and I, uh, oh, it was my cousin Rosalie lives in Richmond. She's mm-hmm. my grandmother's first cousin, and uh, it was. I put it like this. I always go with the expectation of meeting people and looking at records, but I came away with pictures of my great grandfather. I came up with pictures of my grandmother when she was three and four years old. And I was just like, listen, if you don't mind, I'll just take up my camera and take a shot of these pictures. And she's like, no, 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 they're yours. Take them. Wow. And I was just like, oh. you know, and, you know, so you, 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 you almost want to run downtown and throw them in a bag fault so that nothing happens to them. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know, and she, she showed me pictures of my great great grandmother, you know, Mama Johnson, and I'm just like, you, you know, just, you know, you know, Southern ladies, you know, they mm-hmm. get there and she's like, oh my God, that's beautiful. Did you eat? You know, the first thing she did, you know, and the first thing she did was she said, "If I would have known you were coming earlier, I would have made some macaroni and cheese." And I was just like, "Gonna," I was like, "Oh, don't worry about it. I just ain't." No, 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 no. You're not leaving here without eating something. She went in the kitchen, made me a sandwich. You know, and, you know, and, and I, I we even touched with her. You know, because you know she looks just so much like my aunt Rose. One was Rosalie, mm-hmm. and one was Rosemary. <laughs> And, you know, they grew all up together, you know, and she was telling me stories about them when they were children and not when my grandmother would come down when they were younger, hang out with them. But my great grandmother, who was her aunt mm-hmm. by marriage, 
um, would be in the, you know, they would, you know, with Mama T, which is her mother, they would be working together in the kitchen and just talking and having all conversation. And, you know, sometimes just sitting there, you just saying to myself, where's the pencil? You know, and just. <laughs> oh, you know, that's, how long were you there? Stayed for about three days. That's a lot of time to yeah. get a lot of info. Yeah. I mean, that is so, uh, yeah. what a great trip. I just want to share that there are more questions coming in, and this one's coming from Mario, who lives in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Great show. I just wanted to share that Ancestry.com provided me with records from a census of mid-1800s and records from the day my father landed in New York on a Pan-American flight with my grandmother in the early 1950s. Mm. My family immigrated from Puerto Rico, and people only had anecdotal stories back home. Anyone interested in genealogy can depend on Ancestry.com for information purposes. Thank you for sharing all of your great tips. Best regards, Mario. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Mario. Thanks for listening, as always. You are such a great brother and friend. Thank you for your continued support. Here's another question from Nilsa right here in our hometown, Ron, Miami, Florida. I like this show, BJ. Keep it up, Ronald. You have inspired me, Ronald, to do genealogy. I'm afraid that I might find something I I I shouldn't know. What are your tips in addressing this? Um, you're always going to find something that you shouldn't know. Yeah. I found, and uh, it's not as seedy as it seems. Um, on my on uh, my my paternal my maternal grandfather's mother mother side, side. I found out that um, her parents were stepbrother and stepsister, and it was confusing when I was looking on the census records because I didn't realize that um the woman that her uh, that her, uh, you know the woman that her that her father's father had married was actually her mother's mother because the last name had changed oh got it cuz but since the last name had changed but what i realized when i looked on that later census and saw that some of her aunts and uncles had moved from one side of the family to the next. Right. You started to put two and two pieces together. So, but the fortunate thing was she was married to her husband before their parents had gotten married. Mm, got it. So, you know, so it was one of those things of like, and plus this took place back in the 1920s. <laughs> it's so funny. When we think back about over, you know, back in the early 20th century, you know, all of us, every family was dealing with its own things. And it doesn't mean that every generation has it better. We're, we have more luxuries and options, I think. Right. The options and the ability and freedom to express who we are and to do very things like this show. But people don't realize when you're limited, you don't know. We can't really judge, I guess, because you don't know, you don't know what you're missing unless it's there. Right. So they knew and operated as best they could in their era. And who would be said of our records? That there may be a digital record of this conversation, Ron, 100 years from now. But people will look back on it, and it, too, will become an artifact in someone's search of our own family ancestry. There are more questions, Ron. I want to see if we can get them in, and we're down to the last 13 minutes. For those of you who are listening now to the show and just tuning in live, this is BJ Billy Jones, author of Everyday Folks Books, and I'm here with my dear friend Ronald Mapp, a genealogy enthusiast. I haven't shared this with you. You don't know this, but Ronald is also a great music, music, a musical educator, a music educator, and he's been doing it for a good 15, 16 years. I think this is year 16. So that's a whole different conversation at some other time. But he's such a, a, an open book of opportunity. And I have to tell you, in the years I've known Ronald, it's about seven now, he's always talked about this conversation. He's been most consistent. In fact, when we were at a, an event a few months ago and my dear colleague Anike asked you, what are you passionate about? 
And she and you said genealogy. That was your exact response. So I'm so grateful to see this. Your consistency and your incredible work is now leading me into my own. So thank you for that. And here come the questions, Ron. We're going to get them in. The next one's from Nicole. This is a little lengthy. It's from ATL, Georgia. Nicole, thank you for listening. Here comes the question, Ron. I conducted a genealogy research and found that my grandmother was a descendant of a rich family in Europe. After careful review, I also learned that she was given up for adoption, so somewhat disowned by her family. She recently admitted to knowing this info. I am now in the pursuit of other leads similar to this. Have I become too obsessed with this? No, I mean, because some people are going to, you're going to have people that are going to wonder, well, what is her angle? Why does she want to know? I mean, be first be honest what is your um what are your motives um your mm. motives if you simply want information that's you simply fine. say all i want is information what is the family's history mm-hmm. if that's all you want just simply go into it you know that makes any sense it does i'm wondering as a researcher myself i have a consent form that i get to all my participants and i know this is it's a little too formal but would it be okay to do that to come out with a little basic consent form that we give people because do you think that'll be too much? It all depends what you're going to do with the info, I guess. Right. Of course. Of course. Got you it. Cover yourself. CYA. Cover, cover your aspirin. <laughs> but I mean, the, the curiosity of the, the history of the family, whether that they're wealthy or not, I mean, by all means, yeah. I mean, you'll have, I mean, in my um, genealogy, I found cousins who, knew that they were cousins, but they weren't supposed to know. Got it. Does it make any sense? Mm-hmm. And my great-grandmother, who I've mentioned a couple times, you know, she would just blurt out, you know we're related. Stop acting like it. You you know that you don't know. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. Because I had a um, one of her aunts, one of those situations where she had a child out of wedlock and she had to leave, you know, when they go down, further down south to have the baby and the, the baby was, you know. But, you know, when the baby were, were eventually reunited with the family, you know, some were a little off-putting. You know, they, they kept her at arm's length with my great grandma was like, you know, whose daughter is she? Yeah. You know, so. <clears throat> and all, I think a lot of families, especially Latin and African-American families, we have these stories. Right. I know even in my own, I, you know, as I was growing up, you know, I was informed when I was 12 that my grandparents were my, my, my parents were my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very transformational moment for me. And then I, years later, it doesn't matter because I love everybody and I am where I'm at because of my amazing grandparents right. and also my incredible mom and my incredible family. But some people can't get over that kind of stuff. Right. And so people, when you're digging for these things, just be cognizant that in the South, especially those types of stories were common right. because also two people did what was best in the end at their time with that information. Right. It was the way they survived. So you can't, don't look, don't look too deeply and don't let it control your life, especially if you've had this kind of time to do this, use this as a learning opportunity, a, a learning tool, a, a platform for you to grow and know. Here's another question for you, Ron. Keith from Austin, Texas. First, I want to say thank you for listening, Keith, because you're on Central Time and we're on Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> so you're listening to this show and I thank you for doing it in your day. Great show, BJ. <clears throat> Ronald. When you travel to other places to review records, how much info do you divulge to the people who assist you, such as librarians and other record keepers, about what you're up to? I give them all the information I need, if, if that makes any sense. I, I don't keep anything a secret. I just, I, you know, whatever I'm looking for, 
I asked him for it. You're forthright, huh? I, I'm, yeah, I'm forthright. And, and if you're forthright, you will get information. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, talking about that gentleman, James Saunders, I mm-hmm. couldn't find information about him before 1880. I couldn't mm-hmm. find it. And, you know, you, you have to ask yourself the question, what could possibly <clears throat> happen to, I mean, if a, if a gentleman is coming out, you know, from nothing and to pretty much being a wealthy family of uh, farmer who owns property in town as they used to call it back in Venezuela. What happened to them? And you know, I was talking to and I pretty much asked one of the historians at the courthouse and he said, Well yeah, I also understand that a lot of a lot of times people came here and changed their names. Yeah, they did. And he says, you know, a lot of you know, and when I was looking at his records and I noticed that he was originally from Orangeville, he says, Well, you know, Sherman's army marched from Orangeville up through Marlboro mm-hmm. and many of the slaves that followed him changed their names to the soldiers that they were they were following with. So, you know, sometimes they, even a soldier was in Sherman's army, sometimes the slaves would latch on to one of those soldiers and change their names to that person's name. Mm. So, I mean, so that just helped a little bit. I still haven't found out exactly where his family was from in Orangeville, you know, in Orangeburg, and who, who you know, what plantations they might have right. been from. Right, Um, But <clears throat> that at least gives me a lead. It is a great lead. In fact, he just said this to you, Ron, as a final. He said, thank you so much. He said, I guess I'm influenced by the horror films and storylines of people <laughs> on a quest of their family's past and end up digging up something really, some really bad problems. Thank you. <laughs> 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 Thanks for your sense of humor, too, Keith. You're all right. <laughs> you <get that> <laughs> Absolutely. You could do that right standing outside by your car. <laughs> Ron, here's one last question we'll take for today. It's from Max from Hollandale. Should I tell my family that I'm starting to conduct genealogy? There's a three parts, so I'll take that first question. Should he tell his family? Sure. Okay. Yes. And would it be rude to just bring discovered info on them? Well, it depends on what that is. I mean, if you know that information may be disturbing, you know, um, by all means, be careful. But most of the time, whenever I share new information with my, you know, my, my parents, they're delighted to hear what mm-hmm. I have to say. Or, you know, aunts and uncles and stuff. They're usually delighted, especially when you're talking to an older cousin and that person sends you a picture of somebody like, oh, my God, you know, we're picture people in our family, you know. You know, so. That is awesome. And I have to agree. I agree with Ron here, Max. When it's not. Be careful. My question to you, Max, and you may want to respond in, and we only have five minutes left, but. What would what is your intention its intentionality with the information you get? If your informa- if your goal is just to be informed, um, that's what it is. But if it's to do other things, then you need to second guess your your actions and consider your options with that information because there is power in information, especially uncovered, discovered information right. that may be secretive. And so the person who holds it holds uh, holds the authority of changing someone else's life right. with that info if that other person, the receiver, allows it to. He asked the one last part to that is, what's the limit? What's the Any limit? limitations to this stuff? Respect, really. True. It's, it's really about respect. Again, going back to what we talked about earlier in the show, um, gather up as much data as you can, but only share what you think will be appropriate, if that makes any sense. Yep. If, you know, because it's, uh, again, not everybody wants to know everything. Sometimes the only thing they want is a name. Hmm. And, that's, and, and that's okay. They don't know, you know, I, I find... And, of course, you know, this is something that we can all identify with today. You know, sometimes you don't 
when I asked a woman what day she was born. Right. You know, and uh, for example, when when I was younger, my great grandmother had no. I find it the oldest of women. Um, you know, once they get past a certain age, they don't care. Yep. My great grandmother, she would always just say, "I was born April eighth, nineteen twelve, due to math." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that was her. You know, the, the comment, every time you ask her that question, that's what she would tell you. And uh, so, I, my grandmother, on the other hand, she would tell me that she was thirty five every time I asked her. <laughs> And I would say, well, you're th- you were 35 last year. She said, I'm 35 this year, and I'm going to be 35 next year. So, of course, what I did was I went to her mother. And I said, Big Nana, when was little Nana born? She told me, you know, she told me, uh, you know. So I said, she said you were born in this year and this day, so you can't be 35. And my grandmother looked me dead in the eye with those, you know, the way grandmamas <laughs> look at you. I'm 35. <laughs> <laughs> Ron is an amazing storyteller. <laughs> I have to share, Ron, you have one last comment uh, coming, and it's actually coming from Kip. And I think you know who she mm-hmm. is. Our dear founder and creator of Black Tongue Clothing. Thank you for listening, my dear sister. She writes the following. My aunt has done a lot of research in our family, my mom's side, and the information she had shown me was quite interesting. In regards to the woman's comment about finding out stuff you don't want to know, that comes with the territory. <laughs> <laughs> Oftentimes, my mom, ha- mom had spoken about brothers, cousins, and aunts, and I have found out that they are indeed family, but were adopted. Right. You never know what you may find out that leads you down a whole different road. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you to Ron. Ron, you have been, I have to say, you've been one of my most favorite guests since the foundation of Everyday Folks. So congratulations for, for this incredible me. show. And to the point that I, I share this, as you're going on to your incredible work, I'd love to have your back to have a continued conversation. If you're ever interested in a show, we could talk about that too. Because <laughs> I think you provide such a very niche audience interest. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to help you grow that if this is something, if this platform is something you'd like to do in your future. And so I just say thank you. And any final comments in, or, 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 or information no, I, you'd I like just, to provide? I just say it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it can, it's a fascinating journey, but don't be, don't get frustrated if, you, if, it, if a year goes by and you find out nothing because you never know when you dig and 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 then you find that one thing that just makes you, you have that eureka moment and you're like, oh my God, you know, it's like, wow. So by all means, just keep plugging mm-hmm. and um, remember it's what you, you're essentially looking for is yourself. Oh, well, what a great way to close. I thank you all for listening here to Everyday Our Show. BJ speaks an interview with the amazing Ronald Mapp, genealogy enthusiast, my dear friend. And thank you to all of you who called, who emailed in today. There were a horde of questions that came in, right, Ron, that we were able to entertain. And my apologies, we weren't able to get to others. But I think we did get a chance to get them all. Tune in next Sunday, August 21st, for another segment when I interview my dear colleague, Cesar Becerra will be speaking of the incredible work that he is doing and getting st- kids in particular who are from inner city out in nature because going camping is not a thing for some some people and so what value is there in doing so so we're going to be having that conversation next week and as well do continue to check my author blog billypauljones.com and as well as my social media feeds on on facebook twitter and instagram under my name billy jones where you'll find more exciting information. Tune in this Sunday, Saturday coming 
for another exciting segment of Journey into Journey into Passion with Anika S at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for being such loyal listeners. Until next week, take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs>